1: Welcome to Darwin's Hypermart, where you get the latest in scientific information about evolution. Hey Mildred! Come and see what I found on the computer! What is it dear? Just watch this! You've just selected the Origin of Life tutorial. Choose from the following to learn how life started and eventually, by the power of evolution, changed the original simple single cell organism over billions of years to become you and me. See? Now we can learn what scientists know about how life started. This is the story of a small planet in space called Earth. The chemical elements essential for life, hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen, were now in place. What was needed was a way of combining them. Perhaps the energy came from lightning. Whatever it was, energy managed to arrange these chemical ingredients in just the right way. Well, Mildred, what'd you think of that? I don't know, dear. It seems a little vague. Okay, let's push the
2: next button. Molecules piggybacked on the back of crystals forming, and that this led to more and more complex. But of course, the nice thing about crystals is every now and then you get mistakes, mutations, and that this opens the way for natural selection.
1: What do you know? Crystals. Hmm, maybe on diamonds. Hey, Mildred? They're supposed to be billions of years old. Sounds a little hard to believe to me, dear. Well, all right. Let's push this last button. At some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this this planet. Wow, now you can tell that guy's smart. He's even got a British accent and everything. Did he just say that life here was seeded from spacemen? Yeah, and that sure explained your cousin Melvin I always thought he looked like some kind of alien. But none of this goes with what pastor preaches from the Bible. You know, about how God created the heavens and the earth? Then he created Adam and Eve. But these guys are all supposed to be PhD smart. Don't you think they know what they're talking about?
2: Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association along with Terry Reed, an engineer, Dr. Carl Williams, M.D., and our producer, Ed Salisabell, all directors at SAPSA, We're here to reassure you, you can believe the Bible from the very first verse. <laughs> A great get put together there, Carl. One of the things that strikes me the minute I hear this is how the explanations for the origin of life and for evolution are all over the map. They are absolutely everywhere. Terry, you just listened to that for the first time. Well, what are your thoughts?
3: when they talked about the uh um, life beginning with a simple and simples in quotes single-celled organism the the first thing i always think of is a simple single-celled organism has never been observed there isn't any such thing uh, even the simplest organisms we have you know they have have information to to create the organism and to pass on to the next generation they have transport systems energy plants waste treatment facilities manufacturing plants all of this within this so-called simple single-celled organism and the darwinists at least some of them I've heard they know that they don't have a good explanation for how life started so they just beg the question they say it's not a part of the general theory of evolution. They just start out with the assumption that uh, life is already there as a simple single-celled organism and then they come up with some nice stories about how it became all of life on this planet.
2: You make a great point that there is no such thing as a simple cell. That it's an incredibly designed of apparatus. However, it's worse than that. DNA by itself is a set of coding information that could not occur by chance. And yet, it must be within a cell, not only to be read, but to be maintained. It cannot exist by itself. It has no value by itself, and it would absolutely disintegrate, if not within a cell. They had to be made together, which makes it completely obvious that this didn't occur by chance. I like the fact that they said, well, maybe lightning put this thing together. (laughs) Of course, they're referring to the power source and the theorized in the Miller-Urey experiments. One thing about lightning is it wouldn't give the binding energy for those chemical processes. It would blow them out of the water if you had that much energy. Yeah,
3: I haven't seen lightning put a whole lot of things together. <laughs> no, 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 no,
2: no. It, it, it hurts things real well, but it, it, it doesn't help them. But what's worse is even if you gave them everything like that, the Miller-Urey experiments used the wrong atmosphere that we've now proved did not occur in the early Earth to produce the wrong amino acids. So why you're going to use that as the example of how life came out shows how bankrupt your whole system is. What were your thoughts on that first piece?
1: Well, the whole thing was kind of funny, but the the bottom line is neither creation nor evolution can be scientifically proven. The basic premise for evolution is something that John Pendleton from Mexico asked one of his debaters, uh, that he fellows he was debating with, says, "Well, how how do you prove, or how do you show how life started in the first place?" And the answer was a shrug and said, "Well, life's a given." <laughs> so that's uh, basically how all evolutionists tend to approach the solution to this problem: life's a given; it just happened.
2: Because they've got no clue.
1: Because they have no clue. That is the bottom line. They have no clue as how it started. Now they're reaching to Mr. Spock from outer space or somebody bringing life to to town.
2: Yep. Uh, I love the fact that next went to crystals. When they start talking about crystals, I see palm readers, seers, and uh, civilizations from 1400 B.C. getting into this thing. And then they marvel at, well, the really good thing about this is that with crystals, you would have mistakes. That mistakes are going to create everything. Folks, I haven't seen a mistake do anything right, okay? When we have mistakes within government, we don't have a celebration. <laughs> when we have a mistake with flying an aircraft, that's not a good that's thing. That's not a good thing. <laughs> if you've got a doctor doing an operation and he says, oops, that is not good, okay? Houston,
3: so, we have a problem.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, they did not have a celebration at the Manned Spacecraft Center when that, when that came on with Apollo 13. You are listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reid and Dr. Carl Williams. If you would like to learn more, go to sabsa.org. That is S-A-B-B-S-A dot Today we're talking about the way that the explanations for the origin of life and evolution are just all over the place with not one concise or even palatable answer from them. The last piece on that hypermart thing was Richard Dawkins, one of the great proponents of evolution in the world, talking about his ideas about where life came from. And he just sends it out into space. He says, well, it, he owns up to the fact, we don't know how it could have occurred here. In fact, Dr. Crick, uh, one of the co-discoverers of the, of the form of the DNA molecule, basically came to the conclusion it could not have occurred on this planet. The physics and chemistry aren't right. And therefore, he says it happened by panspermia, that, that some advanced civilization came and seeded us. Now, what they're really saying is there was a creator, but they will never allow it to be God. Terry, your thoughts on all that?
3: Well, you mentioned Richard Dawkins. The first thing I think when you talk about Richard Dawkins is uh, at least I respect Richard Dawkins in one way and that I think he's more honest. He's an avowed atheist. So when he, as a proponent Of Darwinistic philosophy, although he would call it science, he has no pretenses. He comes out and says, I'm an atheist, and it doesn't make any sense to try to believe in God and believe in the general theory of evolution or Darwinian evolution, whereas Eugenie Scott, she tries to to tell people, well, you know, you can believe God used evolution. So I have a little bit more respect for Dawkins, even though I think he's absolutely wrong. But uh, but at least he, he does understand that it's a matter of worldviews. They're mutually exclusive. Correct. Mutual.
2: Well, that's one thing Dawkins has pointed out. He has at least a tentative respect for the creationist in the fact that we recognize where the battle lines are. The bulk of Christianity, they're just trying to say, okay, this whole creation question... Genesis, etc., is just sidelined. Don't pay attention to it. He sees that the battle is over whether or not that entire book is the truth or all fable. And he says those people who are trying to stand up for the infallibility of the word understand where the true battle lines are. The people who are compromised, the people who would go with Scott and say, well, you know, you can believe in evolution and the Bible at the same time and don't even think about it. Those people are writing off the whole battle. And Dawkins is bright enough to take a look at this and say, the people who, like us, who are saying know that that science sides with the Bible and are pushing that point of view, understand what this whole battle is about, whether or not there's going to be validity to Scripture. Carl?
1: Yeah, it's it's, uh, good to call it a battle. It's a battle of worldviews. And either your worldview begins with God and his infallibility and his omnipotence, and omniscience or it's with man and how many science books are still in their first edition even by the time they're published they're not. Mm -hmm. So uh, you gotta choose who you're gonna believe and as for me and my house we will choose the Lord.
2: My dad has a saying which I think is particularly appropriate here he says we always get in trouble whenever we think we're brighter than God and that Hypermart piece alluded to, well, they're, they're PhD guys. They've got to know what they're talking about. No, the the trouble PhD guys have gotten us into on this planet just could fill volumes. We cannot be so proud of ourselves to, to not look at the creation and understand that the creator is so much more, so I, much brighter. I do want to give uh, than we
1: credit are. to Ben Stein and his movie Expelled, which is where those various little audio clips came from.
2: Excellent. Information for creation events in our area are on our website's calendar page. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to sabsa.org, that is S-A-B-B-S-A.org, or call 210-599-7240. When you go to our website, you can click on a link to our newsletters. You can also call 210-599-7240 to request having the newsletter emailed to you. Our website also has a link for contact information on which you can order our newsletter. Also go to WhyShouldYouBelieve.com. That's WhyShouldYouBelieve.com. That's Terry's website containing articles looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. Sabsa meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. For meeting time and place, please check our website as we are moving from our old meeting place. There you will find biblical apologetics and creation science teaching found nowhere else in Bear County, as well as the availability of books and videos on these important subjects. If you missed any part of this show, you can listen to the show anytime by going to the AM630 KSLR website, click on KSLR Podcast, and scroll down until you find Believing the Bible.